to episode eight, I guess, of Down <laughs> Under the Ring. I am your host, The Warship, and I'm here once more with my co-host, Fid Awesome. Fid, I am all pumped up because we've just spent like 40 minutes talking absolute shit. How we've, are you doing, We've my literally brother? spent the last 40 minutes talking about everything but pro wrestling, and I think we need to do that every week because some of these weeks are hard when it comes to the pro oh. wrestling lately. <laughs> I have had the worst time of it lately. I love wrestling. I really Bro. do. But between all the deaths, between the CM Punk bullshit, yeah. and between everything else, man, it's getting exhausting and to look, be a wrestling fan. Also, we've just had the longest run of pay-per-views or PLEs, I think, that we've ever had, right? Like, we've had three straight weekends of pay-per-views. It's been hard. It has not, been a not, time. not not like, to mention I, all okay the TV as well that we've got to watch. That's the problem because it's not just three PLEs. It's three PLEs and what twelve wrestling shows in that yeah, space. Yeah, and look, and I'm think I'm seriously considering about watching Impact in the next couple of weeks because I think Impact's getting interesting at the moment. <laughs> I have I've done been that to myself. my eye on Impact as well. And it's really frustrating because I want to watch it. But as we said earlier, I have had a cursory look at wrestling this week. We said this off camera. You guys weren't here. Don't worry about it. Um, but we've ha- I've had a real cursory view on wrestling this week because I think I just got overloaded by all of the wrestling. And I'm, you know, I'm back training really hard in the gym myself. I'm feeling good about life let, in general. Let me just say as well, um, before you continue, just kind of, he's looking really good as well. We're getting there, you, you, We're getting, getting there. there. And that's the thing. That's the thing is that I'm, I, I, I really enjoy pro wrestling when it's good. And we are so spoiled at the moment for good professional wrestling. The problem is, though, is there's so much of the fucking shit that it's actually getting a little bit overwhelming. Absolutely. Uh, But we've got a great show here for you today. We're going to talk about AEW All Out. We're going to talk about the CM Punk controversy because when isn't there CM Punk controversy? And we're going to cover the news and the greatest hits from all the favourite shows that we watch because we can't watch everything. So we watch what we can. Absolutely. And later on in the show, we actually have a friend joining us who's going to uh, we're going to be going over all the CM Punk stuff with uh, a good friend of mine, Steve Wrigley. You can follow him at Wrigglemania. He is a stand-up comedian who is also obsessed with pro wrestling, as uh, as we all are. So uh, that's going to be fun as well. Yeah, I am super pumped for that because I do love a good a good little back and forth, a good rant, and I feel I feel there's one boiling right there. So yeah, I am in for it. I am all in for it. No, wait. I am all out for it because that is what we are covering first. Absolutely. And what did you think about okay, it? Okay, so my first take on this is I do not understand how come Tony Khan, when he is backed into a corner, always manages to book a really, really good show. Like how you can book two really good shows. I would actually argue, actually, I think All Out may have been a better show as a viewer than All In. Uh, Doesn't that feel weird, though? Like, doesn't that feel like you've come to All In and you're like, all right, we've got this fucking huge show, the biggest show in the history of wrestling, and you're going to waste the card 
on this other card. But that being said, I think that it's a little bit too harsh to say that All In wasn't a banger oh. because despite the bullshit that everything went through, man, that card is still It was tops. absolutely an amazing, amazing card. It was an amazing show. I'm not taking anything away from it. But I just felt like All Out was just such a good show as a viewer uh, because – and. I think it's also because they weren't relying on the big names for this show. They were bringing out all the good, solid pro wrestlers and storytellers that didn't really get a shot at All In. I am just a little bit like, we'll get to it later. But one of the things that I am really, really upset about, and I always will be, is how in the world can anyone deny CJ Perry? Miro, come on, my brother. (laughs) Come on, my brother in Christ. What are you doing? Absolutely. But uh, let's stick to All Out for now. Um, (laughs) First match I want to talk about, though, is uh, we uh, had the the tag match uh, with... um, uh, MJF and Adam Cole versus Dark Order. And my biggest thing here was this was the first time I've seen Dark Order back with basically uh, my note here is they got their balls back as a um, as a tag team. They looked amazing. They were acting amazing. Uh, Evil Uno, I think, because he wasn't in the ring, but he was just... There's a the thing with the Dark Order is I really like the idea of the Dark yeah. Order. But unfortunately for me, I think since Brody unfortunately mm-hmm. left us, it's lost every every bit of momentum. Well, this is the thing as well, right? As I 100% agree with you. I didn't mind that they kept uh, Dark Order together and changed them into more of a comedy act because they've all got really good comedy jobs. Almost all of them are amazing. Um, especially um, uh, old Hungy. He's amazing. Johnny Hungy. I really like them as well. They they are very reminiscent of uh, the Batiri. They, they have a very uh, – it's almost a Chikara feel to yeah. them in general because it's like these supernatural masked wrestlers, yeah. not masked wrestlers, yeah. who – everything about them is kind of a little bit special. Now, for a stable like that, for me, yes, they can be comedy, but they have to show something mm. – and they haven't been showing something for a long time. I am all about Evil Uno streaming on Twitch, you know, as a mm. streamer myself. I get the thing about it. But there's, there's, there's something that's missing from the mystery. And it's really good to see the Dark Order get back on their feet yeah. here. I really hope it continues. I don't know if it will. Just because, you know, back to Tony Khan and his lovely fucking toys, there are so many people. The roster is completely stacked to the absolute shithouse. And I don't know what you do when you've got so many talented people on the roster every fucking week. Absolutely. Um, what I did really love about this uh, match, though, is the end of this match uh, finished with um, uh, Max uh, basically being... He, he's getting all fucked up, He's but he's walked out at the end, and he got fucked up in this match, right? Um, mm-hmm. He's walking back uh, up the ramp, and we get Joe. He pulls the... Um, throwback to NXT that we basically we've been sharing this since uh, they've been on the same yes, roster right so that was such a good callback but um, uh, having Max getting messed up beforehand made that not just a callback like it made sense don't you think that it's a little bit fucking stupid 
Tony Khan, I'm talking directly to you. Don't you think it's a little bit fucking stupid that you call back something that happened in the WWE? That's my only issue with the whole thing. Yes, we know they exist. Yes, we know that he was there. Samoa Joe is currently experiencing what what I would call a fucking Twilight revival of his entire career. He is on fire. The last thing that you want to be doing right now in my eyes, despite how amazing it is to see, is reference a company that didn't give a fuck about him. Because at the end of the day, that's what people will remember. What I want to see is you own the fucking property. Reference Ring of Honor, Samoa Joe. Reference Joe as a beast yeah. because that's what he is. He is so hot right now. And he, man, put the fucking belt on him. He deserves everything. And, and right saying now. that I 100% agree with what you're saying here. But my counter to that would be that your casual viewers don't know Ring of Honor, Joe. Right, your casual casual yes, viewers remember him as the beast that was at Impact for a while. They may have watched Impact, but most people are going to know him from NXT. Most casual viewers, and having this that makes me upset. A hundred percent, and I understand that because my Joe comes from Impact, not from Ring of Honor. Right, I, AJ Styles, yeah. Christopher Daniels, yeah. Samoa Joe, perhaps the greatest well, wrestling match in the history hmm. of wrestling. And it's been shared a lot recently as well. It's going, it's doing the rounds right now. If you haven't watched it yet, please watch it. You will not, absolutely will not feel any form of regret yeah. for doing so. But that Samoa Joe, Impact Samoa Joe, TNA Wrestling yeah. Samoa Joe, reference that shit, well, man. They've got, a, they've got a partnership or a friendship with him, so that's not an issue, right? No. But like, I look at it um, as this fucking huge missed opportunity because we've got look Samoa Joe on the main roster in the WWE even on the the NXT roster it was so wasted he should have beat yeah. Brock like he should have beat Brock there's no reason you could have built the start like in Samoa Joe you had all the tools I wanted him to beat Brock I'm sure oh, you absolutely. did as well um, and looking at it now it's like I just feel like, yes, it's a funny moment. Yes, reference it, sure, whatever. But if you have the facility to, remind people of Samoa Joe, the fucking murderer, because that's what you need oh, to Oh, absolutely be. agree. How do we feel about um, Max versus Joe? I'm in. I yep. am in. Give me that, because at the end of the day, like Max is a storyteller. Joe is a storyteller. Joe's going to kill you. Joe's going to kill and, you, and that's what we and need. And to my best of my memory... And Max's run with AEW, I don't think he's had a rivalry with a killer. No, no, not someone who will fucking murder no. you. And that's the thing is, that's how Samoa Joe needs to yeah. be presented. In 100% my eyes, agree. Because, yes, he's funny. I love it when they go for the dive and he's like, yeah. nope, like, like, I'm in. That's fucking sick. But at the same time, you never feel like that person is safe. No. When they're in the ring with Samoa no. Joe, Look, we, like, we saw it. We saw a it a week earlier with Punk. Like he killed yes. Punk, which was also a banger yeah. of a match. Um, while we're talking about bangers of matches with k- absolute killers, um, Miro versus Hobbs, aka the Meat Match, the founding match of the Meat Division, uh, happened during All Out, and this was absolutely one hundred and ten percent my highlight of this entire pay per view. 
The match was great. It was awesome to see these two just go at it. I loved seeing Miro be a beast, but also I loved Hobbs being in a match that was for Hobbs and he looked impressive. Like every other time we've seen Hobbs impressive, he's been a support act for somebody else. Big side note to big meaty men slapping meat. Big E, I fucking love you. I hope that you could come back. If you don't, God bless you because, man, the contributions you made to wrestling, incredible. Uh, but big meaty men slapping meat as a big E reference, that's what we saw here. That's what it was. And it was just two fucking horses, man. Two absolute monsters just beating the crust out of each other. And you need a match like this on every card in oh, wrestling. 100% in agree. The, this, mat, like this entire show, Chicago was on fire. Right, that crowd was amazing the entire show, but they lit up for this. Like this was the one where every single crowd chant that you can think of had been remixed to include meat, and it was amazing. And I actually hope this is one of those things where, like, we we give Tony Khan shit for following what the internet tells him to do. But this is one of those things where I actually hope he listens and does essentially create the meat division because he's got some massive tanks on that roster that are doing nothing. Like, imagine you've, you've got Mero and Hobbs already ready to go, right? Add the Murderhawk monster in there. Like, he has done nothing since he's been on that roster. Like, And he's got fucking Jake there. Exactly. You know, like, you've got perhaps and arguably the greatest talker to exist mm. in professional yep. wrestling as your manager, him and Paul, that's yep. it. That's the fucking Mount Rushmore. There's no need for anyone else. Like having having that. Like I know there is obviously you got the brain, yeah, etc. Yeah, yeah. But as far as as far as like someone who can tell a fucking story, and I'm really accentuating the fucking because man, Jake the Snake Roberts as a performer. As a human being, he has been through shit. And one thing I say to everyone in wrestling, when I was actively wrestling, you know, mm. the first time, uh, is that I truly believe that in real life you need to go through trials to be able to do this shit. And for as far as trials go, man, Jake the Snake Roberts has been through it. And it shows in everything he says. And you throw him with old mate Murderhawk, and all of a sudden you've got a guy who to be fair to him, isn't a very good talker, no. but can wrestle fucking well. Oh, dude, well. and he's convincing like, as fuck as a big man, right? And He's a beast of a man, and that's what you need in wrestling. You need – look, fuck, as much as shit as we give Great Carly as, as everything, dude's an attraction, right? 100%. Seven foot four, built to shit. You need those attractions in wrestling. And even if they're not a great wrestler, you need a big motherfucker every Oh, now dude, and, and the, the other one that we can instantly put into the, this meat division is Big Bill, right? Big Bill, I think. Big Bill. So Big Bill, terrible talker. Terrible talker. <laughs> Bring Enzo back oh, for him. Give him, give him Enzo. I actually bro. love those two as a tag team, to be honest. Um, yeah. But yeah. I think Big Bill is got potential to be an attraction if he had the right person with him, put in the right division, fighting the right people and all that sort of thing. Look, and again, I don't even know if he's still signed with the fucking company. Brian Cage. <sighs> Brian Cage is still signed with the company. Put him in there. I think he's Ring of Honor officially at the moment, but yeah. Brian Cage, 100%. Yep, that's, 
big meaty man slapping meat, baby. That's all yeah. you need. Like that is legitimately all you need. You could build a roster. You could build a meat division off yeah. of those guys. Entirely. I would. I would almost encourage punk. Oh, not punk. Um, sorry, wrong person running the company. Fuck, you got punk on the fucking yeah. brain, <laughs> Tony, to call it the meat division. Like lean in. Tony Punk Khan. <laughs> but yeah, and then of course after this match, uh, going back to the match, uh, we see um, uh, what is it? Hobbs is losing his shit. He's about to beat the crap out of Miro, and the surprise um, cameo, the surprise walk-in. We get CJ Perry, the real legit shoot wife of uh, Miro, walk-in, and she essentially saves him, only to be denied. What did you think? Just no sells her. What did you think of this? I don't get it. I don't understand it. He's like, you're not real, he posted on Twitter. He was saying it at the top of the ramp too. What the fuck do you mean you're not real, dickhead? (laughs) Like, you're going home with her every day. Like... I see y'all posting shit on the internet together. Like, obviously, that's behind the curtain. But at the same time, like, man, Miro was best as Rusev with Lana, in my opinion. I agree. So this is the thing. I think Miro and AEW has told better stories. Oh yeah, no, I absolutely. Yeah, agree he's with that he's telling too. better stories uh, since he's been with AEW. I've I loved uh, God's favorite champion. I love the story of um, yes. that ne- the, the redeemer. redeemer. I love the story that now he's God's forsaken him, so he's forsaking everybody else. Um, but I don't think that they got that story across very well in this moment, and it, they. It just looks weird with everything that we know. And because AEW is the smart mark company, it's the company where everyone knows everyone's real life. They know how big their willies are. They know everything about them. Like, y'all know that they're married. Like, we know that they're married. Everybody knows that they're married. Like, wouldn't that have just been so much better served if CJ had to come out, Miro gets the advantage, drops down, and then CJ looks at Miro and she's like, Miro... Crush. Just like 100%. one moment, I would be fucking rock hard oh, dude, for that and, shit. And it Let's could go. have been. A, I'm sorry. I'm. I'm sorry for forsaking you. I'm sorry for fucking lashing. <laughs> Let's go. Because <laughs> you got to reference WWE, yeah, Tony. So you might as well. But, <laughs> but no, yeah, like. Like, I could see that as a as yeah. a thing. Like I could definitely see because at the end of the day, that that was so much more over than game over. Like CJ just saying crush and then bam goes in the game over. The, the fucking and it's just I'm I'm I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just um, sentimental for the past of Rusev because Rusev as a character was one of my favorite things in years when he came through. Uh, but I, I definitely feel like Miro could do so much more as a a monster with a female valet again. I really, it doesn't feel like a step backwards. It feels like a step Absolutely forwards. Absolutely agreed. Uh, while we're talking about steps forwards um, or steps sideways in this case, whether Oof, it comes to nice uh, Ricky Starks, uh, of course, we got the uh, the switch in the story with uh, Ricky with the dragon, and that dragon, of course, being Daniel Bryanson, Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryanson. Daniel Bryanson. Um, <laughs> what are we calling him? Yeah, um, this was this match was amazing. Um, I think this match 
was amazing to watch if you didn't know what had gone on behind the scenes. And I'm even more mm-hmm. impressed after hearing um, Brian Danielson talk about the match afterwards. There was one. Well, apparently, his arm's still fucked. Yeah, right? so. Um, he is the he was the only person in the post uh, all out uh, press scrum to basically come out and not be in character. Um, he was also it was a long interview with him too. He is one hundred percent stepped into Punk's role because um, he was he was he was out there exe- basically as a producer slash performer um, when he was uh, during the. Um, press conference uh, but he was talking about how he goes look Ricky carried me throughout that entire match um, and that match was smoke and mirrors he goes if you have a look I didn't use my right hand at all but the <laughs> genius behind that match yeah. and look I think look you have to give Ricky Starks credit for because he did a lot of work in the match but I think Brian Danielson has taught Ricky a lot in this match because I I don't think Ricky could have made that match convincing without Brian. No, I I really, really enjoy seeing uh, Brian Danielson back on television. I don't know what it means for the BCC because the reactions that Danielson's getting, uh, it's really contradictive. And I know that they tried to address it on on the scrum. And they're like, you know, I'll be a good guy when I want to be and I'll be a bad guy when I want to be. But... I don't like that so much, personally. Yeah, it's it is an issue. It's, it's it's a weird thing that is happening a lot across AEW, where you've got a lot of tweeners at the moment that um, essentially do the role that they need to do on the night. Um, they're not leaning into the uh, stereotypical heel face dynamics that we as viewers are, um, you know, we're accustomed to, uh, but. They exist for a reason. I was just about to say that, right? And the thing is we are accustomed to them because they they work, right? We need someone to boo. We need someone to cheer. Um, And usually in this situation where someone is getting cheered is when someone out the back needs to be saying, does this still have wheels as a bad guy? Well, that's when you really assess it because at the end of the day when it comes to heel versus face dynamics, the best wrestling stories aren't told when people are both tweeners. The best wrestling stories uh, stories are told when you have a defined heel and a defined face. Exactly. I mean, look at even, I would argue, when The Rock and Austin had their Mania match where Austin turned. Yep. Uh, that match was really, really good, but they both were getting these really stupid positive reactions the whole night. Yep. And my thing was, for me, what actually sold the event, and a lot of people disagree because they hated it, even even Stone Cold has come out and kind of said, you know, it was a bit shit, son. Like, like the, the whole um, the turn at the end, yep. that was where it became a yeah. thing. That was where it was defined and it made sense and it was good. You know, seeing the little cracks form in the way that he wrestled over the course of the match, getting a little bit more paranoid, a little bit more delusional as it came through, but then still being a face, you know, that's what you need in, in yep. a match. Like you, And I think you know, that's what you need as a character as well. I, I really believe that another great example is Hogan and The Rock, yeah? Like you have the two biggest faces in the company, mega stars. Everyone loves The Rock. 
Everyone loves Hogan, but the fucking moment they got there and they're staring eye to eye and the crowd fucking turned, in that moment, that shows you the professionalism because they said, okay, this is what's happening now. Let's roll with it. They, and the they knew, they that knew that what made, to do on the night, right? Because in that, are you well, talking about yeah. the Mania match? Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. So that was the one where Hogan walked in as the heel, NWO, black and... And it's completely yeah, flipped. Yeah. And like, uh, Rocky was supposed to be the because good Because no one bought Hogan as a fucking heel anyway. Because no. they wanted to cheer him. And every week leading up to it, the, the noise got louder and louder. It didn't matter he's running people over with a truck or hitting people with a fucking hammer. None of that shit mattered. Because when it came to that moment, the crowd just, they wanted it. Absolutely. And they, when they realized that and they saw it live... Full credit to both of them. They just flipped this fucking script yeah, and they called. That's what you they, need. And, and look, and there were the two people who could call it in the ring and not get in trouble when they walked through the curtain. Right? <laughs> well, there's that too. But, like, how much shitter would that match have been if, A, it went the way that was originally planned? Absolutely. Or, B, they both just decided to be faces? Right, and it's the, one of the few times in Hogan's career where I think he did the right thing. And <laughs> saying that it worked, it well, worked yeah. for him, brother. You're not going to get any argument for me, brother, because I'm not a nah. big Hogan guy. And look, the person who trained me, Jim Ray's, as we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, um, he loves Hogan. We, it's the only thing that we really argue yeah. about. <laughs> All right, um, last match on the card uh, that we were going to talk about: Moxley versus OC. Um, we were talking earlier about subtle storytelling uh, and good storytelling. I think OC has told an amazing story over the last few months, uh, and it's been super subtle as well. Um, Orange has just slowly been getting more and more beaten up, worn down. He's been the workhorse. He's turned that belt into possibly the most legitimate belt on the AEW roster. Um uh, because it has been just him working his ass off on that uh, with that bout, um, and uh, Moxley went out there and did what Moxley does, and he absolutely slaughtered OC. He he put him he put him down. It was it was like watching the old dog get taken out the back. To be honest. And it needed to happen, and that's the thing is, is that that's the that's the evolution of the character, yeah. right? Is is that you spend a lot of time building this guy up, and he just pulls it out week yeah. after week, but then eventually he can't do it anymore, and it's the "I'm sorry, I love you" moment that he 100%, needed. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And sometimes in wrestling, the story tells itself, and it's not a bad thing when you do what we already know what's going to happen, right? I don't think anybody went into this thinking OC was going to win this match. But no, no, I they really did it either. in such a way that we were okay with it happening because, as we said, OC had just been worn out, worn down, worn down, worn down. He's pulled out some miracles over the last few months, especially in the last few weeks. Um, and Mox was Mox is a killer, well, and that's the thing too, is is that Mox has always come across as this like just loose unit, right? Loose cannon kind of vibe. And like he's the guy to do it. Out of everyone that's there to do it, he's the guy to murder someone. Yeah. Like 
He's the one to put the put the full stop on someone and just say, "Look, you're tired. Let me help you go to sleep." And the, yeah, exactly right. And at the end of it, nobody was angry with OC because he's earned everything he's got. And look, OC's this guy that a year ago uh, had people had enough detractors saying he's just he's the pockets guy. Um, and it was. Did nothing but good for him the storyline, and having Mox with that um, uh, title is actually going to continue it being the workhorse title because we all know Mox is going to take that belt not just around AEW every week and defend it, but Mox is going to actually do what it says on the title, and he will take it international and take it to every indie that he's booked on and he will just destroy people and defend it everywhere and the bout's going to continue to be a workhorse title that's the thing is that what were we worried about uh with the oc rain is is that you were worried about when it's over like what would mm. happen next yeah. you know it, it wasn't so much that you were upset that it was over it was more like okay but who can live up to what we've seen here and mox and can. who can carry on from what we've seen here because what we've seen here is a guy who literally broke his fucking body for all mm. of it and then you know after it's done what happens next and I think that they've told the only possible story that you can tell uh, because they've shown that, yes, you've picked the fucking craziest person in the company yep. to then take the title and move forward yep. with it. So, good. This is a thumbs up for me for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. And like I said, uh, when we first started talking about All Out, I think it was a great show. It had no right being this good after uh, having All In only six days earlier. They managed to pull it off. I mean, full flowers to him for it, like full credit, because at the end of the day, throughout the controversy, throughout the CM Punk bullshit, which we'll get into, um, you know, they had to do something. And what I think they've done is it's, they've really cobbled together a fucking. It's the show. It's the show that they needed as well, and arguably, it's the show they needed in the right city as well um, to move this company on from CM Punk. Still very mad, and the crowd, Chicago, despite the clapping and the chanting, you know, it just felt there was an undertone the whole time. A fuck you, yep. Tony. Like, there was that undertone for me, and I felt yep. it because they were happy to watch the wrestling that they want to watch. They were happy to get the Daniel, the Brian Danielson, you know, the, the fucking replacement CM Punk in there, but. The, um, the the difference in reaction, I think, is still palpable because you know what? I haven't watched Collision since and I don't think I fucking will. <laughs> wow. Like, I just can't. Yeah, I just don't know if I can do it right now because I was so invested in CM Punk's AEW Collision yeah. that it's, it's, it's a little bit less special right now. Hopefully, we continue what we're doing and it makes people want to watch. I really do. One thing that, that, that really is showing is if you look at the viewership of AEW Collision from the start to mm -hmm. now, at the peak, at the debut of Collision, it was 816,000 viewers. It kept pretty significantly similar, anywhere between 590,000, so 600-ish thousand, to 550, 450-ish thousand viewers every week. The week after, September 2's week, it's got 345,000 viewers. That is ridiculously telling of the way that the wrestling fan mindset is right uh, now. Look, I, 
think uh, Tony's got a lot of work to do, uh, well, Tony and Brian, to be honest, uh, have got a lot of work to do to get us to continue to watch that show. Um, and they're going to have to do a lot of that storytelling on Dynamite to get people to make sure that they tune in on Fridays as well. Or Saturdays, sorry. Yeah, well, look, just as a for the numbers people in the in the in the thing here in the podcast here, the numbers people nineteen percent. Yeah, it's a huge drop of viewers. But they are eighty nine thousand viewers have turned the channel because I mean they were against the same sports last fucking week. Last last week they were up against fucking um, payback. So the thing is, <laughs> is that that's ninety thousand people. Who changed the channel once Tony Khan announced the firing of CM yep. Punk? It's under it's undeniable that Punk had a has made a difference. That is a hundred and fifty thousand people difference from week to week, and it's got to be that it's nothing else because it's been consistent this whole yeah. time. So, look, I, it's a big fucking road to walk ahead. But to, hey, I'm going to do one of these ones now, ready? I'm just going to... Before we go any further, this show is brought to you by OG Nerd. OG Nerd represents the gamers, the cosplayers, the collectors, the model makers, the tattooists, the artists, and the athletes. They are not just a clothing brand, they are a subculture. OG Nerd revel in their halcyon youth and embrace the lifestyle driven by nostalgia, humble beginnings and heroes og nerd strives to offer quality comfortable and above all stylish streetwear apparel inspired by a lifetime of gaming music and street art i've worked with og nerd for many years and find their apparel second to none in terms of quality and appearance whether it's at a wrestling show or a convention you'll be hard pressed to find a better armor for your rig get yours at ognerdlife.com Look at this, ready? Yeah. Get it? ready? It's a big road ahead, but speaking of big roads, let's just get stand up and fucking do one of these ones for our boy Gunther surpassing the Honky Tonk Man's record officially. Officially. This week. Officially done this week. Um, and look, it's not very often we see these big records get broken anymore. And... It's going to be a long time before we see another big one get broken. Uh, I think the most likely one's going to be Cena taking um, uh, Ric Flair's um, most amount of Championship championships. Um, that's probably the most likely out of all the big records that'll be broken in the coming years. How do you years. feel about Gunther getting the win? Oh, I'm okay with it. Absolutely okay with it. Yeah. Absolutely okay with it. I thought that match was a convincing match, dude. Fuck. It was. Look, honestly, if you wanted to, if you wanted to tell you, if you wanted to figure out if Chad Gable is a superstar, that yeah. match it showed. It was the the finish, everything leading up to it. Holy. It's fuck. not very often anymore that WWE actually convinces me that anything could happen. And this match did it, right? So watching this match, I genuinely thought Gable had a chance. I genuinely thought the there were moments yeah, there were moments there. But the subtlety as well of doing genius things and I think this is a triple H thing, right? Is he knows that doing things like having the family at front row is going to get people going, 
That's a lot of effort. Like they've got the whole family, they've brought the whole family into town. Is it going to be the moment where he can pull the kids into the ring and lift up the title at the end, right? Just quietly and just quickly, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, fuck you, because Jason Jordan should never, never have been the son of Kurt Angle because Chad Gable was right there. is Kurt Angle reborn. He was right there. The motherfucker is so good at everything mm. that he does. He is all-American. Like, everything that he's done is a mirror image. Aside from the gold medals, the dude can wrestle, the dude can yep. talk. He's about the same fucking height. Everything was right there. And I have to say, he's proving that he deserved that oh, spot. Absolutely, now. he is. And um, coincidentally, this week uh, is the same week that, by the sounds of it, uh, the other Gable has been dropped by WWE or the... Oh, I did see this as well. What the fuck? Has he been dropped from WWE or is it just making way for a SmackDown or a Raw who, who knows? But, like, the right Gable is currently in the ring. Right? Gable Stevenson. No, wait. Yeah, no, no, you're right. right. Yeah, Gable Stevenson's the other Gable. But... Yeah, I know, but he's not the right one. He's not one. the right one. No, 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 no. The right one is the one that was in the ring going for the Intercontinental. That lariat, holy yeah. fuck. It was everything about it was just perfect. Like, because you felt it. In that moment, you were like, yeah, yeah, but they, right, he could win. No one believed it. And it was like my prediction a couple yeah. of weeks ago where I said, imagine if he fucking stole it from him. I believed yeah. it for a I, moment. I thought this could 100%. happen. But in saying that, that finish did zero harm to Chad Gable. No, because it was definitive, yep. but he showed fight till the last Absolutely, second. but you've like, also got a story. It established Gunther as a monster. It established him as like just a fucking unstoppable beast, yep. but it also showed that Gable won't But by quit. having his family there and even, even the brutal shot of his kids crying at the end did so much for Gable as well, though, because the lasting memory at the end is not... Gunther holding that title up. The lasting memory is... No, it's the girl, the children crying on the outside. That dad almost did it but got killed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Was murdered in front of us. And that's the thing, is looking at the whole situation overall, he's going to win. Like, it's not now, but it's soon. He's going to win because when he does, that reaction will blow the roof off. Give me a rematch at SummerSlam. Yeah, honestly, and have him win. Because right now, strike while the eye Absolutely. Is Put Gunther in the fucking main event, but let Gable get Absolutely. this. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. I am down. Book it. Make it happen. It's one of those, it is, once again, one of those matches where we know what will happen, but give it to us. Also, Vince, I'm really sorry about the swearing. Please don't sue me. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay, other, other notable things to happen on Raw this week, though. Uh, we got the debut of Jay Uso uh, on the Raw roster. I thought this was very cleverly done story-wise where um, we had the moment with Sammy um, and... Feeling oozy, baby. Yeah, 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 that wasn't very oozy of me. It was cool. It was a cool moment. We've clearly got Jay uh, working face on this at the moment. But what is smart is none of the people that Jay fucked in the last three years have let that slide. And this is cool. This is very cool because you've essentially got Jay doing a redemption story. You've got Sammy 
putting his neck out for Jay, but we don't know. Is it going to be the redemption story? Is Jay still a motherfucker? Like, is he going to burn right, Sammy? So here's Who the knows? Thing. We, we saw a bit of interaction with the Judgment Day, and obviously I think that's a bait and switch. So do I. But what's not a bait and switch is, what about old mate Kevin Owens? Because all of a sudden, Sammy is, you know, what up, my, my brother, up, my brother in Christ? Yeah. What up, Oos? All of a sudden, you've got that friendship. Kevin Owens, he's known Sami Zayn for a long yep. time. He, they used to be friends with these other two guys, Kevin Steen and El Generico. Rest in Sadly, peace. both passed away. Yeah, rest in peace. They both died in that fire at the orphanage. But I do have to say that there is something there because Kevin, man, I I think everybody is waiting for the mongrel to come out of Kevin Owens. Absolutely. And now that they've lost the belts, it's there. I would personally much prefer to see uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, the super best friends in the entire world, uh, destroy and have a real fucking competitive time um, with uh, Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. But if we can't have that, it's got to be close to the time because, man, Owens is best as a fuckhead. Oh, 100% he is. Absolutely agree. Like he is best when he is a piece of shit. Even though as a person he's the exact opposite. Yep. There's a photo of me and him um, from a show he did over here, and we both look like the biggest dickheads in the world. Because I was like just super happy to meet the guy. Because another big inspiration for me, along with Wyndham, yep. uh, as far as my style goes. But looking at the way that he has captured the universe now, the WWE universe is really reminiscent to the way that he captured the independent wrestling scene as well. He's really relatable. He's really believable, which makes him all the more a piece of fucking shit when he does what he does. Absolutely agree. So it's it's a lot of fun, and I'm here for it. I'd like to see it happen, maybe. I'd still like to see uh, DIY have a real actual fucking career instead of what's happening at the moment. But at the same time, Jay Uso in there is a real wild card. Look... While we're talking about um, we're talking about all the awesome shit because WWE is doing some really good shit at the moment, but oh yeah, I'm all in for it at the moment. It's fucking entertaining, and I haven't felt this way in yeah, years. Yeah, but there was one really dumb moment as a viewer myself, and I'm curious to get your take as uh, an industry insider. Shinsuke Nakamura comes out, and he just straight up turns down Seth Rollins for a rematch. Dumb. Why? Dumb. Like, why? Because Seth is, he's obviously baited Seth into yeah. it. Yeah. He's baited Seth into the whole thing. And he's like, all right, like, fucking, you know, I'm going to break your back. And then he didn't. Yeah. And now he's just like, eh, no, I'm good. I don't I'm know, good, man. Maybe I'll just go back to the mid card. Yeah. I'm good. Like, right now is when he should be like, okay, you're a wounded fucking. Yeah, animal. I'll take the rematch. Let's, go, Let's do it. Yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was okay. I'm glad you agree on that because as a viewer, I was just like, "Why? This is dumb." It, it, it stupid. Like, um, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I was really hoping they would push Nakamura. Now yeah. I've started doing your thing, Nakamura. <laughs> um, I'm learning Italian at the moment, so io sono stanco because I'm always tired. Um, I have to say that when it comes to Nakamura, I really hope that now would be the time. Yeah. Because, man, he's like 400 years old. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Know? There's not a lot left on that bump card. Oh, he could go forever. But, but we we haven't. There's not a lot left. On that I bump genuinely card. don't think we've seen a good Shinsuke run in WWE yet. No, at least on the main no. roster. Um, yeah, I mean NXT. You know that's the thing. But Nakamura, he reminds me a lot of one of the people who raised me in wrestling, uh, the Godfather Davis Storm. In fact, Davis Storm has often said that he's taken a lot of inspiration from him, and it really does show. And looking at uh, Nakamura, that's always really uh, – I see him in yeah. that. And one thing that I know about Dave in particular is if you give him the reins to the company, you'll never need anybody yeah. else. And I really feel like there's that same vibe from Nakamura. And – you know, yes, he can't speak English. That's fine. Get him a Mr. Fuji. Get him someone who who can translate if you have to do that racist bullshit that WWE loves to do. But give him someone if you need to. Give him fucking and, and, saying, shit. Just give him someone. saying that, does he need to speak English? Like the dude can tell stories without be, needing to speak For English. For the Western society, uh, the Western people, maybe. Well, so because, this, you know, is, this is the thing. I think the stuff that was going on with Asuka and Io uh, a couple of months ago with them speaking just Japanese to each other, you knew that they were fucking going off at each other. You didn't need to know what exactly was being said as long as they're emoting the right way. And the thing is, uh, I think Shinsuke speaks enough English and he's proven that where he can do a promo in Japanese and you know that the attitude he's getting across is I'm an evil motherfucker and I've got your number and then all he needed was that little bit of English of I'll break your back. Well, okay, so here's the funny thing <laughs> because by all accounts from the people that I know within the industry, within WWE, yeah. motherfucker can speak fluent yeah. English. yeah. He yeah. doesn't on the show. And, and, like, I, he doesn't need to at the same time because he's kind of playing into that, like, you know, Orient monster, yep. etc. Um, but at the same time, I would like to see him get a push. Um, um, and unfortunately, in the WWE, to get a push, you have to be able to talk and communicate yep. with the fans. And they've booked him into a corner by having him be this only speaking Japanese mm. dude. My biggest thing with Shinsuke that pisses me off is they keep calling him the king of hardstyle and we haven't seen any hardstyle on the main roster from him. Hardstyle, mate? You're, fuck, you, you're fucking falling back into the 2000s. You're going to do a shuffle for me. The king of strong, strong style, style baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hardstyle. I'm going to listen to some fucking dubstep with Finn <laughs> McAwesome here. Um, you get what I mean. <laughs> but no... Yeah, exactly right. That's the thing is, is that like Nakamura is the king of strong style. Man, where's the crown, man? You got to make him the king of strong style. Show that shit. Absolutely. I want to see him knock some people fucking out. And right now would be the perfect time. The title, in my eyes, should have changed hands. He should have fucking knocked Seth mm. out. Like he should have taken him out. You know, if Seth needs time to rest, let him go. I hear his contract's ending pretty soon. I'm sure he'll real resign, yeah. but. Let him have a bit of time because he's not stale. I like his yep. gimmick, but he could do with a couple of months to just re. Sometimes the best himself. thing you can do to these stars, especially when they're on top, is let them go home for a while, and especially let them get go home for just long enough to they're just on the border of being forgotten. Yeah, just just on that point of who. And you remember them the moment they get in. 
Well, because, yeah, like you think about like Trips. Obviously, he got injured. But, man, when he come back jacked to the gills mm. and like full steroid into the asshole, and he came back in that white fucking shirt with the red cross yep. on it, Jesus fucking Christ, he was so big and so over. And even though everyone thinks he's boring except for me in the universe, um, they were still super excited to see Jericho's him. the same. Every time Jericho has gone yeah. away, he has come back a bit of Jericho. But but he's Man, had to go away. I have to say, I've look look. We're sitting here and it's a little bit more energetic than normal. I've come back from the gym. <laughs> I've had a little bit of whiskey, but <laughs> I have to say, I really loved Jerry's show. I really loved the way that he reinvented mm-hmm. himself. He always did, but it was the product of time mm. off. Absolutely. And right now, I think, man, he's carried it all for such a long one, time. One of my favourite Jericho returns of all time was when he, he'd gone for a good year and a half, I think it was. Uh, essentially, everyone thought he had gone and was just going to do the rock star thing from now on. And then he did that uh, comeback from nowhere and said nothing for like three weeks. He just came out, cheered, ran around the ring, did the yeah, baby, and that was a, and then left. Three weeks, it was amazing. But he didn't need to do any more because they were so into yeah. it. We should move <laughs> on because otherwise we'll get stuck into a Jericho fucking fellatio. Exactly. And um, the only notable thing from Dynamite I've got written down here because, like as I said earlier, we've got a lot to get through this week. Um, but uh, the biggest Dynamite thing for me was uh, MJF versus Joe. This is a throwback to what happened at. Um, all out uh, they faced each other in the ring and their promo against each other was fucking brilliant um, this they did lean heavily into what we said earlier the um, uh, WWE uh, situation both WWE and NXT mentioned by name because somehow MJF gets away with whatever he wants to say um, I loved it I thought it was brilliant. Um, and once again, Joe just demolished MJF at the end. Max was left in a pool, essentially, uh, at the end of this whole uh, segment. Um, I think it's building to an amazing match between them. Uh, and I want this to happen really badly. I want to sit. You know what I like about it the What's most? That? The thing I like about it the most is that we have moved away from uh, the MJF and Adam Cole being best friends, but kind of not. It's just in the background. You know, it's there, but it's not the focus right now. And it shouldn't be the focus until the inevitable split. Like, I would love to see them do their thing and kick it together for a bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and just kind of in the background, you know, he helps him out, etc., etc. Maybe have Joe fucking murder him for a bit. Like... But first, while we're talking about news, let's talk about Pro Wrestling Down Under. Pro Wrestling Down Under is a fantastic source for Australian professional wrestling news and upcoming events, as well as all the latest top news from WWE and AEW. They offer some great exclusive content from interviews, opinion articles, and insights from some of the top Australian wrestlers to make it to the big promotions overseas. PW Down Under aims to be a source of information for people looking to get involved in Australian professional wrestling with events listing, training school bios, and news on the latest seminars across the country. So if you ever wanted to get involved in Australian wrestling, this is the place for you. Visit pwdownunder.com. That's pwdownunder.com. 
All right, we are joined now by uh, Steve Wrigley, comedian and wrestling fan, also known online as Wrigglemania. Um, Steve, you've uh, you you've made noise. You wanted to talk to us. You wanted to join the call, and uh, we we had a whole bunch of things we were going to talk about. But uh, I believe you wanted to uh, have a bit of a chat to us about Mr. Tony Khan and the CM Punk situation. First of all, can we clarify, Fid? You wanted to talk to me about this. Okay? This is, this is true. I DM'd you and said, do you want to join and, us? And that perfectly illustrates my point and the problem with Tony Khan. <laughs> is he does not, in my opinion, understand how the relationship needs to work when you are running a professional wrestling company. Because he is walking around that company being the guy who wants to talk to everybody else when he needs to be the guy that everybody wants to talk to. He is trying to be everybody's friend. He needs everybody to be trying to be his friend. There is a huge difference between your Tony Khan, who I would say is a successful events promoter but not necessarily great at running a professional wrestling organization and people who have proven in the past to be able to do that at a, at a level that works triple h vince mcmahon paul Heyman, uh stephanie mcmahon um <laughs> would be at the top of that list right and all of these people have one thing in common they don't take shit from anyone so and people who do give them shit they don't they don't kowtow to them and they would never go on television and say i was so afraid my life was in danger so because that is the sign of weakness that you do not want to be projecting to a locker room full of hot-headed jock that you know, there, there's a big difference between a professional wrestler and a basketball player. If you're a basketball player, ultimately your skill out there on the court is what is going to determine your value. When you're a professional wrestler, your athleticism obviously plays a role and your talent obviously plays a role. But when it comes to wins and losses and how you're positioned and how you're seen, what we've all come to learn is the term politicking, the backstage goings on and how well you can muscle the booker is ultimately what is going to propel someone you know someone with way less talent is going to be able to propel themselves further ahead than people who are way more talented than them which is how scott hall and kevin nash were able to take all of eric bischoff's money there's another guy, tony khan is early days eric bischoff before he learned the valuable lesson that you can't be a pushover and if you walk around trying to be friends with all of these guys, they're just going to wind up walking all over you. And I don't... He Tony Khan has all of the things money can buy and when you look at the product that he puts on, he is definitely putting on the kind of show that money can buy. He can afford a good crew. He can afford to make his ring look like, nice. He can afford great lighting he can afford good talent but can he ultimately be the connective tissue that puts all of that stuff together into some kind of cohesive product that makes sense you I haven't well, seen 
any clear evidence of that yet, let alone any evidence that he can control what's going on. You, you've you've actually hit on the head exactly what we were talking about last week, which is interesting because last week we were talking about how um, AEW has grown so fast that it hasn't been able to put things in place that are already standing in WWE because WWE has been around for 50 years and has... Um, uh, what is it? It's got processes in place with de- to deal with people that uh, step out of line and blah 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 blah. And the other thing we covered is, would CM Punk have gone as far as he did, acting the way he did, under Vince McMahon? Can you imagine? Let's forget. Let's set Vince McMahon because he's obviously the top of the food chain. Yeah. Let's pick someone a a little further down that food chain in WWE. Let's skip. Triple H, because what I'm going to say is imagine the media scrum, the 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 um, Hulk Cabana meltdown media scrum. Yep. If, if it's Vince McMahon sitting next to him, we don't even need to have that discussion. If it's no. Triple H sitting next to him, we don't even really need to have that discussion. Think about someone like Paul Heyman or even Stephanie McMahon being the person that was sitting next to him. Oh, they, they would have got shut down. Still, it would have gotten shut down. But Tony Khan, like, I, I, I'm sorry to use probably unpopular terminology in 2023, but Tony Khan was just sitting there like a wet little bitch, dude, during that whole thing. 100%. His face just looked like the guy in the locker room who gets shoved in the locker. You know what yeah. I mean? He's just like nah. sitting there like a little wet blanket while CM s- Punk is, is going out of his way to, like, <laughs> absolutely turf any kind of... Uh, projection of of cohesiveness and and strength and togetherness that that company might have yeah i mean i just don't think he is the guy the the only the the only thing that came out of that promo that made any sense uh was the uh plug for mindy's bakery well as someone who was a pro wrestler and still kind of i guess is i look at the situation uh, the way that Tony Khan handled it. And look, I do my job. I respect the job, right? But after the way that he spoke to the audience after the CM Punk thing, in my head, I'm like, this dude's a fucking pussy and I don't respect him anymore. And not the good kind of pussy. Not the kind of <laughs> pussy that lives between the legs of a female. We're talking about a kid. <laughs> he is a small... <laughs> Kitten that is helpless and useless, and not 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 a full grown, not a full grown. I'm gonna scratch your eyes out if you come near me. I'm on this chair, goddammit, and this chair belongs to me. We're talking about a teeny tiny little kitten, and how is anyone in that? Like, yeah, you know, it it. Oh, your life was in danger, and that sucks, and no one should behave that way in the workplace. But like, you're not, you're not in a traditional workplace where you can. Watch a little HR complaint and everything's going to be okay because it's supposed to be tough. The thing <laughs> is, it, it would not have got to the point it got to in the last never month, uh, under WWE, right? But the no thing, shot. no, but the th- and the thing is, like, if we're going to say where the issue started, it started in Chicago a year ago, and that's when it should have been knocked on the head. Arguably, it should have been knocked on the head after. Uh, CM Punk called out um, uh, Hangman Page live in the ring. That's when it should have been called. Yeah, or I think what I'm more saying here is that like Tony Khan needs to be running an environment where 
where they don't even have to call stuff out mm. because when you go when you go out there, I mean, I'm not listen. I'm not a pro wrestler. I'm a stand up comedian, right? But I believe those worlds do. They there are a lot of similarities uh, on a show business level to how those two industries. It translates well. Of, yeah. One of the two, one of the biggest ones is that like, you know, if someone books me to go and do their show they're booking me to do my stuff on 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 their show right yeah and 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 the guy who books me to go and do it right is expecting me not to go out there and torpedo what he's got yeah going on and you know you're not even if you're going out on Vince McMahon, Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, Paul Heyman, any of those people's television, you're walking out there, you, you know, people talk about how it's almost problematic in WWE, that you're potentially walking on eggshells. You've got to be careful. I obviously think that environment has changed significantly. You can see it now that Triple H is pulling the strings. People have a little bit more freedom. But even Cody Rhodes uh, and Brock Lesnar, who are two of the biggest stars in the wrestling landscape right now when they go out onto vince mcmahon triple h's television they are still walking to that stage with a, a tremendous amount of respect for the people that are behind that curtain the people that they have to see when they walk back there right if you go out there and you say something that is going to cause problems or you say something that is going to cost the company money or that's going to affect business or that's You're going to fucked. affect your you're fu- and you know that when you walk out, hmm. carry that to the ring with you. Mm-hmm. And that is not there. You see those guys go out in AEW and they literally look like old school. That they have that there's that same vibe there that was in the old WCW when it was falling apart. Of yep. like, there's no one that I'm going to have to be accountable to, no one that I have to be scared of, no one that is going to chew me out that i'm gonna be what imagine tony khan backing even jungle boy who's like a smaller guy right but tony khan's still giving up a foot not that height matters because you can have presence and be short but Mm. like it's like being told off by your babysitter where you Mm. go yeah 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 i'll wait till my dad or someone i'm actually afraid of gets home to tell me off yeah and i i I mean i don't this is my armchair assessment as a guy who's nowhere near that locker room i don't know what's going on back there i'm sure there are a lot of good vibes but one thing that i personally feel like i can see and i think it's like it's definitely there i mean if two people are having a freaking fist fight in front of the guy how scared are they really of him no how and when i say scared i don't mean like worried that it's gonna beat their ass i mean like are they gonna lose their job yeah, and there are people are saying, oh, well, he came out and, and he sort of dropped the hammer by saying CM Punk is fired, CM Punk is gone. But I don't know, like, it, the way that he did it didn't make me go, uh-oh, you know, better look out. No, yeah, well, th- th- this is the balls. thing, right, is it's too little too late. It's the call that should have been made a year and a half ago. Like, their sh- heads should have rolled back then. That was his opportunity to stand up and be a big man and be like, this is my company. Ben, the yep. call that should have been made a year and a half ago, or even three years ago, four years ago, should have been Tony Khan saying, if I want to do this, I will hire the cameraman. I will hire the lighting department. I will see to booking the venues. I will make sure 
that we do everything we have to do to get 85,000 people into Wembley Stadium in London. But when it comes to a relationship between the office and the talent, I am going to take... He's got Mark Henry sitting there, dude, just doing his commentary stuff. Get Mark, bro. Say, Mark, I am not going to talk to the talent anymore. That is obviously not my place. I want you to do that. Get someone like Mark Henry is the go he is the gatekeeper of Tony Khan. And if any of those guys want to try and whine to Tony about something or get in Tony's face, they've got to go through Mark Henry. It doesn't have to be Mark Henry, take your pick. But can you imagine, right? You've got some whiny little gripe, and the first person you have to go to is Mark Henry. You're gonna at least think twice. This is exactly what uh, Shippy was saying last week is there's no locker room leader. Um, let alone someone in the office, right? Where's the fucking Undertaker? Jericho keeps calling himself the Undertaker of the locker room. Everyone says that shit. Well, then why didn't he just say, Oi, fuckhead, don't use real glass, just shut up. Listen, all due respect to Jericho, but he just wants the young, flippy hippies to love him. That's all he wants. (laughs) He just wants to be cool with the indie kids. That's all he wants. Right? He just wants everyone to think he's the coolest. And I don't think that Jericho is, like... I mean, and also, like, he is your talent. Like, I don't think he's the guy... You, I, I see what you're saying. Like, uh, in, you know, where... But that's why I think Jericho is, like, he's being the party boy, and I agree with you. He's not necessarily taking that role. But I think Tony Khan needs someone who is not on the roster to wrestle, who doesn't have a stake in hopping in and out of the ring Hmm. to be a gatekeeper who stands between him and the talent and he needs to give up on the idea that like he gets to be friends with everybody so you reckon the problem is that there's no locker room leader i think the problem is is there's no locker room leader a and then b there's no there's no one like there's there's no authority there's no authority in corporate Yes, there's no head of talent relations that, um, well, not, not even a head of talent relations, just a freaking someone who is scary as shit, who no one is going to fuck with. That yeah. is what is missing, right? And Punk was trying to be that. That's the problem. I feel like part of the problem with Punk is it feels almost like he was trying to be that guy, right? Yeah. By going around and being all tough. But I mean, he's a freaking ding dong, dude. Yeah. He's all too t- tightly wound. He won't just sit down and have a beer and chill out on a Friday night. He's all like hopped up and angry. Do do, do either like, do either of you guys listen to not Sam at all? Uh, Sam I Roberts. To him when as long as you've got no follow up questions, yes, I do. Okay, so I don't have I don't have any follow up questions, but uh, I was listening to Sam Roberts today, and he made this really interesting point when it came to CM Punk, which was. CM Punk should have been booked not as a guy who wrestles on every show and is on every dynamite and on every collision that when collision came back uh, started rather he should have been booked in that role of uh, being the dude who pops a rating the dude who comes in does a program yeah essentially the Brock Lesnar role right Um, and then fucks off because he's got a history of one he's got a history of moving numbers right Proven. 
We've already talked about that on the show today. Um, but he also has a history before AEW of causing drama and not being someone who's you want to have around in the locker room. And it's the same thing exactly with Brock Lesnar. He doesn't want to be in the fucking locker room. Uh, so they don't have him in the locker room. He comes in, he does his job, he fucks off at the end of the show. Yeah, but it works, though. They're happy with that because he fucking gets results every time. So that, and, that's, oh, uh, and that was a thing that Sam said they should have done with CM Punk, and I can't help but agree that Sam Roberts is right in this. Imagine Tony Khan trying to tell Brock Lesnar how it's going to go. It's never going to happen. Hey, fuck off, idiot. Yeah. I mean, McMahon uh, got the belt thrown at him, and he's the most authoritative person in the industry. All right, so Brock, I want you to do this. Go on television the next day and go, I felt like my life was in danger. I'm yeah. scared of Brock. Well, you want your life to be in danger. It's Brock Lesnar that you're afraid of because he'll fucking kill you. Look what he did to Cena's head that time. But even Vince McMahon, like, like Brock Lesnar, if Brock Lesnar threw a belt at my head, right, I would pretend I died. Yeah. I would take the same <laughs> But Vince McMahon stood up and pulled him a cunt, basically. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, fuck you. I, I can't remember exactly what he said. It was, it was pretty much, like, it was pretty much, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I'm sure that if, if Brock had have turned around and walked up to Vince, Vince would have stood up and those two guys would have been eye to eye. Oh, that would have, that would have. Oh, yeah, that's the difference. Man is winning that fight, right? Oh, but he's going to get knocked out. But I don't think Brock Lesnar would have. I, I personally don't think Brock Lesnar would have thrown the punch because I think when, if, if he marched back in there and was like, oh, and then Vince stood up and eyeballed him, I think that would ultimately result in Brock Lesnar maybe saying something to Vince, but then turning around and walking out. Absolutely. Right? Because Vince has enough mana that he can he can carry that. But like I just don't that's why I say don't and, and I, like I'm not the first person to throw this suggestion out there, but Tony Khan needs to, in my opinion, step away. Like Shin, I've done a little bit of stuff with a wrestling outfit in New Zealand and I don't know wrestling backstage culture as well as you do, but like I do know that if someone came up to one of you guys and was like Yo, this this wet blanket of a dude with billions of dollars, and I'm pretty sure we can like walk all over this guy and take half of his. Game. Because at the end of the day, they just want to make everybody fucking happy, and what that they'll do is like you you'll see it where you get this point with wrestling where all of a sudden all the top guys in the country head to this one promotion and it's like why are they doing it it's like cuz the motherfucker paid flights they're paying like $400 a show and we go and we drink afterwards and they take us on a boat and fuck why wouldn't we do that shit and all we've got to do is slap them on the back and say oh you're the best and 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 we'll do it again next month you know yeah. and they will too cuz people were saying I heard on one of the wrestling radio shows I listened to, they were like, well, you know, Tony Khan at least laid down the law and said, you know, don't fuck with me. But I don't feel like that's what he did because that thing, that announcement where he said that he had to fire CM Punk, it didn't look like a guy laying down the law. No. It looked like someone who was crying because he just broke up with his bestie. 
It was. It was. Yeah, a, it was. A, basically, was a little bit mean to him. It was very clearly a guy that was reading a script that was given to him by a lawyer. And how long? And since when has that worked in wrestling? Well, he had to, right? Think, there are people who still are holding out belief that this is some kind of big like angle, which is oh, obvious. Fuck off! It's so stupid. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you if you if, if if it is, then he is even worse of a businessman than he is uh, <laughs> promoter. Oh yeah, because you don't do that in Chicago. The, yeah, the night before he's got a show in Chicago, which, by the way, did not like didn't sell well, and they've got what is their thing? Slam anniversary bash at the Clash. What is it? There's the, the one coming up in Queens that AEW have got. Um, uh, it's one of. Kids, uh, the AEW mark, you'll know. Yeah, yeah, Grand Slam. I was he- hearing some stats the other day that like you know that's gone from. 20,000 attendance the first time to 16 the second, and now they've only sold 6,500 tickets. Yeah, that's a company that has literally done 90,000 tickets in Wembley, selling 6,000. Yeah. But I think this is this is my other thing with him, is that I just don't... I don't think he has... Like I say, he has all the things that money can buy, but I don't think, from a show business perspective... Like, he understands sport, but sport... And I guess sports entertainment, which is more showbiz than it is sports, are two different things. And you know, when you're booking something like this, when you're when you're programming entertainment like this, we're like everyone knows that it's predetermined outcomes. And so, really, when we buy it, like WrestleMania is almost sold out next year, and it's sold out off of the strength of the fact that everyone is sitting there going. This company is on track somewhere where I believe that this next big thing that they do is going to be really awesome and really fun to go to. And there's going to be a culmination of stories and things that are going to happen. And whatever it is, I believe it's going to be great. It's going to be good. And I feel like AEW have just put themselves in this position where Wembley was amazing. But first of all, no one's talking about it. Uh, No one's talking about that accomplishment or that achievement. No one's talking about the fact that Paige... Uh, won the women's title in in her hometown on the biggest stage that she's ever been on, one of the greatest women's world champions across all of the different companies. No one's talking about any of that. They're talking about Tony Khan crying about CM Punk, and they're talking about the fact that All Out did fairly poorly considering and that all of their upcoming events aren't doing great. And if you're going to like do something like Wembley, you got to then go, okay, and then after Wembley's done, we're going to go on low power mode, light running for like two months, three months, and just spend that time building up anticipation for what we're doing next. But Tony was like, like, you know, when we with stand-up comedy, if you go into a small town and you do like a comedy night somewhere, and, and then you go, okay, we'll be back next week. You know, we've sold 300 tickets. We'll, we'll be back next week. You go back next week, you're going to have like 20 people there. Yeah. And those are the sorts of little things where you go, I just don't think Tony Khan has the stuff that you can't teach. I don't think he has the stuff that money can't buy. And I think he needs to get someone like Mark Henry or or people who are orbiting around the wrestling sphere who know the business. Like people like Bully Ray and... Tommy Dreamer, who were there for the whole ECW ride yep. and were there for heaps of WWE's ride, who 
kind of are going to be able to say to him, nah, man, no, you don't, don't do that. Don't do that. That's yeah. bad. Don't, don't, don't go out of your office and go hang out in CM Punk's locker room for 30 minutes and chat to him and be his best friend. Yeah. You don't do that. That's not your job, you know? Well, um, apparently, by the sounds of it, they're positioning Brian Danielson to sort of be the booker moving forward. But he's on the roster. That's, that's like giving Kevin Nash and Scott Hall the fucking pencil there. So that's what literally what I was going to say. Like, I, I would have no problem with Brian being, you know, the ha, having the pencil if he's retired. Well, that's always the problem, right? When the people who are on the roster are actively wrestling. It happens on the indies as well. So it's, yeah, it's never a good thing. No, because there's always going to be, no matter how hard you try, there's always going to be a conflict of interest. And it works probably. Yeah. Even if it's on the lower card, you're still like, oh, you know, maybe I'll win here, maybe I'll win there. Like, yeah, it's always rough. And also, you you know, you're you're going to book your mates. You know what I mean? You're going to book mm-hmm. your buddies. You're going to make sure that they, because you don't talk to, you know, Ding Dong Flip Flop every week, but you talk to Smash McNally, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, every time you talk to Smash McNally, you don't want him going, hey, bro, how come I'm not fucking getting any yeah. ring time? And, so and when, be like, and- oh, we'll put Smash on. And when Ding the open spot this week, guys. Put the belt on Smash. Smash for president. Yeah, and then when Ding Dong does... Give him the TV title. Let's see what he does. (laughs) And then when Ding Dong does turn up to the show, you you send him down the road to pre-record his shit for the next show. Yeah. I want to put this whole rant of mine in parentheses because, like, I I really... Like, I'm not a, a wrestler and I'm not there, but I'm just someone who, like, has worked in the entertainment industry a long time. And I'm looking at that and I'm going, like, I just, this guy's just making some weird choices. And yeah, I don't, he's, he's not the guy. He's not the guy to be, he's just not the guy. Tony Khan is not the guy to be dealing with his talent. We've been saying this shit. Well, sorry, I've been saying this shit pretty much every single week. I think we're going to get you on properly soon because we actually speak in a way that i think is very similar to this because yeah i as a wrestler and as someone who's been in the industry for a long time i can tell you that you get it you know you understand how it is uh from a frustrating point of view well yeah i mean like that's that's cool to hear i mean i like i've loved wrestling a long time and you know i um like i say i think there's so many parallels between comedy and wrestling and even with comedy you know you don't you never want to shine someone up before their time you never want to like if a comedian comes off stage after a bad set and you say no that was great you know you're not doing them any favors and i and i my gut just tells me that like that sort of stuff goes on in AEW too where like two people come off off out of the ring and maybe it wasn't that great and they say to tony how was that and i feel like he's the kind of guy who goes Oh yeah, it was good, guys. No, you know we're good. It's fine. As opposed to going, it was dog shit, boys. That was bullshit. And if you need that. They're on my show. You need to do better. Yeah. And that's again. I still think that's the problem because you need that. You need a someone to step up. And if it's not the boss, because fuck, man, can you imagine if someone shit the bed 
around Vince. Yeah, sure, Brock might get right in his face. But at the end of the day, Vince has taken a fucking knockout if he has to. And you need that mongrel in you for the boys to respect you, in my eyes. This is the same guy that walked into Bret Hart's locker room after screwing him. And knew, knew that he was going to get punched in the fucking head for it. Yeah. Because he knew the worst thing that could happen and the worst thing that can happen is for everyone in his locker room to think that he is weak. He's a pussy. That he is scared. That he is afraid. Because as soon as it, like, I, I, I have to imagine that it's like sharks smelling blood in the water where they're like, we've got a wimp over here, guys. We've got a genuine yep. pushover, yep. you know? Let's make some money off the mark. And that's what happens. And, like, there's always been a long-standing thing that Vince does the shit that he asks of people to do. You know, can you imagine Tony getting on the fucking flying fox that Shawn Michaels flew down? No, I can't imagine that for shit. But Vince does. Yeah, well, it was only it was only a few years ago that we had a seventy-something-year-old Vince um, doing a, a backdrop off a platform uh, during WrestleMania to teach um, that football guy how to do it. Yeah, exactly right. And anyone in that locker room is saying yes, sir, to Tony Khan. Absolutely not. And, and conversely, do you think anybody in the WWE locker room is ever calling Vince McMahon a pussy? Or a mark live on his show. Yeah, no. Would never happen. No. And that's the difference. You'd be too scared to even say it behind his back because you'd be like, fuck, if this gets back to him, I'm. You're done. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's any fear in the AEW locker room that I could go on TV on an AEW show and call him a fucking pussy to the camera and he'd probably just laugh about it and give me a high five later. Well, to be oh, honest, to be honest, all, I think if it's you... It's all if, the work, hey, guys. It's all, <laughs> all doing the work, aren't we, guys? Right? Yeah. Well, I, I genuinely the, think, Shippy... All, I'm part of the work here. <laughs> if, you, if you got booked on Dynamite as a local talent and you got up in the camera and started taking the show in your own hands, you'd get booked the next week. Yeah. That's the thing. That's the problem. Whereas Vince, you'd never fucking work again. Yeah. Ever. Anywhere. If you were on his television and you said, this Vince McMahon is a pussy and a big money mark, you're going to hear two things. You're going to hear no chance in hell. (laughs) About 90 seconds later, you're going to hear you're fired and that's it. Yep. Then you're then they're going to cut to commercial and you will never be heard from again in that country. Ever. Yeah. There's a good chance that you'll get old yelled by the end of the night. <laughs> right. And then and and, and then right. in 6 months time you'll be um, walking out into the impact zone. You're going to walk back through the curtain after getting fired and Undertaker's going to be standing there and he's going to say, come, come down. We're going to go meet, we're going to go see Kane down in the. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing. Well lit pipes and, and uh, stuff. There's no Undertaker, man. Like that's the problem. There's nobody to say, oi, you fucked up. Let's show you what happens when you fucked up. Come for a walk, buddy. There are people cosplaying as the Undertaker, but that's about it. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> hey. Do you, know, do you know what I mean, though? There's like, there are people like who go, who are probably from that WWE locker room who are like, I'm going to be the Undertaker guy around here. Yeah. yeah. And they're only kind of pretending because they don't really have the, you know. It's the clout, right? It's the respect that comes from being that guy. And like, yeah, again, like I posted it, I sent it to Fid. It's like um, the, the the little comic that's going around of, uh, of pretend Jack Perry being all like, I'm going to use glass, fuck you. And then it just says Vince McMahon and, and Undertaker and they just beat the fuck out of the character laughing the whole time because that's what would happen. Like it just wouldn't fly anywhere in the WWE sphere at all. Also, I don't understand like... I don't know. I don't. That whole thing is, you know, CM Punk told him you should use fake glass, and he was like, "Nah." And then he goes and says that on on the TV, and he goes, "I was trying to do it to get heel heat." But like, the only reason we know that CM Punk said anything to him about fake glass is because of the altercation that happened afterwards. Yeah, like there was literally no reason for it. In the heat of the moment going, oh, that's uh, he's taking a shot at CM Punk. What a heel, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, the, but that is the, like, what? who's the Jack Perry equivalent in the WWE? Who's the same? Who's been there for, like, he's, what, three three years into being on television? I don't know, Riddle? He's only just, <laughs> huh? Riddle? Riddle? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Riddle. Yeah. I just don't see someone like I don't see Roman Reigns doing something that petty and stupid, let alone Matt Riddle or someone like no. maybe LA Knight's like a good example. Someone who does have like a volatility to them, you know, but oh, fuck it. Use Riddle, right? OK, yeah, sure. Riddle. Yeah. What happened when he started dating a porn star? They literally said to him, oi, man, fuck you. <laughs> you can't you're never getting a push because you lead a shit lifestyle get fucked like that was legitimately what they said so they, i didn't know about i didn't know about this so they've killed jack perry's i'm not sure they've killed uh no they literally killed riddle's push they said to him because of the lifestyle you lead we're never going to give you a legitimate push again that was Almost verbatim. Something we know for a fact, or yes, no, that's a fact. No, we we, we know for a fact on. that pretty much WWE is writing out the rest of his contract, and that's it. Over. They have said to him, "You will never get past a certain point because of your lifestyle." And that's a perfect example. Because if that was, if you're translating that to Jack Perry, all of a sudden Jack Perry, he's been suspended indefinitely, and you know what? Good on him for doing that. But if you think about it, like. It should never have even got to that point. It didn't get to that point with Riddle. They're like, oh, man, you smoke too much pot. Get fucked. The end. Yeah. But then also, like, look at the disaster that this is. Like, okay, cool. So he suspended Jack Perry indefinitely and he's fired CM Punk, right? Well, Jack Perry's um, whole storyline with Baby Taz is one of the only things they've had in AEW that's been like, you know... Um, it actually grabbed my attention and it's something I kind of feel like I understand the, the lore that goes along with it, you know? Um, and then CM Punk is obviously the, like the, the only two things in AEW that I'm kind of aware of 
as long-term things that are going on in that company was that Jack Perry was doing really cool stuff with mini tears and um, with Hook and um, <laughs> whatever that CM Punk was involved. Yeah. So, you know, it doesn't it doesn't help you at all to, you know, so it goes back to what we were saying before. It's like you got to stop this stuff from happening before it happens because, you know, what are they going to do now? You know, it should never have got here. And that's about it. Well, like, what happens now? You've killed, like, two stories immediately. Yeah. And irreversibly as well. Listen, guys, I could talk about this all morning, but I need to go <laughs> and take a time on my fourth one throne. We'll do it again. <laughs> we'll definitely have you back. Thanks for joining us, uh, Riggles. Um, is there anything you want hey, to plug listen, before you go? Hey, you'll have me back if I want to come back, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Bobby the brain Let's in get here. Straight, pal. I'll call <laughs> you and tell you when I'm on. All right. Uh, do, do you have anything you want to plug before you go? Um. And yeah, your mouth. Hey. <laughs> all right, you can just come find me on the socials, eh, hey, Wriggle Mania. I've got the. I'm just on the grind, trying to get the clips up there on the gram, trying to get the follows. You know how it goes. And, and you're on tour at the moment. Yeah, but in America, dude. We have American listeners. Oh, no shit. Look, if any of you are in Rochester, St. Louis, uh, Austin, Texas, um, where else am I going this year? Uh, I'm going to Indianapolis. I'm going to Raleigh. I'm going to Arlington. I'm going to be in Brooklyn. I'm going to be in New Jersey. If you're in any of those places, www.steverigleycomedian.com. Uh, I got all my dates there. Um Come find me and come up to me afterwards. And uh, if you say Fid's a cunt, I'll buy you a beer. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Oh, good. Thank you, Riggles. Oh, awesome. That was good to have uh, Riggles on. We'll definitely have to get him back. Uh, it might, might have to be a regular uh, segment, uh, Riggles Rants. <laughs> what do we reckon? Yeah, all right. I'm in for it. Although that being said, that gets rid of Shippy's Rants, but that's okay. Hey. It could just be the, the rant corner. The rants, for sure. <laughs> the rants on bants. The bants on... The bant... No. We'll cut that bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time to wind things up. But before we finish, we always have a bit of a plug for all the local Australian and New Zealand wrestling shows that you can check out in your area. Starting off this weekend, All-Star Pro Wrestling Australia, they've got their show happening in Padstow at the Padstow RSL, September 16th. Orlando Jordan is going to be there, ex-WWE superstar, and he is going for the heavyweight title. Uh, Newcastle Pro Wrestling have shattered two happening at the Hamilton Station Hotel September 20th. Uh, you can check that out if you are in the area of Newcastle. Yes, and IWA, International Wrestling Australia, celebrates 25 years of live touring with a huge all-ages pro wrestling event on Saturday, October 14th, St. John's Park Bowling Club 
NS Dub. And from my side of the world, EPW Vendetta is on Saturday, the 28th of October, 2023, including the Invitational Tournament. Uh, Wide Bay Pro are back on September the 23rd in Baroga Theatre. Uh, they've got their Rise from the Ashes uh, event happening. Make sure you go and check that one out. And New Japan Pro Wrestling Tamashi, what, five, six, seven, eight? That's eight. Eight. Friday, September 15th, 2023. <laughs> it starts at 7.30. Go and get in there. Crowbar Sydney. Tickets available at njpw1972.com. Awesome, and that's us for another week. Mate, honestly, I've felt a lot of energy out of this one. I have been so pumped (laughs) from the gym. (laughs) It's probably a little bit louder than normal, but that's okay because, hell, why not, right? You've got to get into it because I have felt like the last few sessions of Down Under the Ring have been a little bit flat, and it's not flat, it's sad because we lost Wendy Rotunda, we lost Terry Funk, we lost CM Punk to the bullshit of the fucking AEW world, and it's been a bit of a hard one lately, so it's good to get back to our roots and have a bit of a chill time. Uh, I'll tell you what, and I'll tell you what else is good. We've got a couple of weeks before we've got another PLE or uh, pay-per-view, so we get to just hang out and talk about what we watch on TV for a few weeks. Fucking PLEs, man. I hate that term. I hate it so much. <laughs> Pay-per-view. Uh, uh, maybe I just sound like a boomer. I don't know. But, hey, thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to check us out on X, X to the Z. No, that's wrong. That's going back to our roots. Be sure to check us out on X at DWN under the ring. Check us out on Instagram. Check us out everywhere. Go on, check us out. You know you want to check us out. Check us out everywhere. You can find me at at underscore warship and you at Fidmic Awesome, right? Everywhere. On everything. Everywhere. Everywhere you can be found, especially OnlyFans and Reddit as well. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, we'll see you down under the ring. (laughs) 